It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. On today's Locked On Texan podcast, YouTube comments. We're back in them YouTube streets, and we talked to Brandon K. Scott of Sports Talk 16 Radio. We got all that action coming for you before the weekend, baby. Cody, let's start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this Friday edition of the Locked On Texan podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more of the props odds and lines than ever before because bet online is where the game starts i'm john hickman this is cody davis friday is where the weekend starts and what better way to start it with the locked on than to start it with the locked on texans before we talk about football before we talk about texans before we talk about the pigskin how was your week it was good, man. You know, just enjoying this week covering the Houston Texans, counting down the days until the start of NBA Media Day, which uh, means, yes. John, I'm really going to be able to see which fan base, which, which Twitter fan base is in more <laughs> is in more of shambles right now, Texans Twitter or Rockets Twitter. But, I, you I, know. I'll tell you what, man. It's so much <laughs> chaos. And it's like, it's like, it, it is beyond those two fan base. Like, Twitter over the last week has just been, been crazy, full of shenanigans to the point I just had to just leave the out. No, listen, and, and it's funny because in the city of Houston alone, I can't remember which mean, but it's like two people are fighting and going at it and they're clawing each other apart. And then there's a mean where there's another person just sitting there watching it. And I feel like the person that's sitting there watching it come cool and collected, that's Astros Twitter right now. And shout out to be. Locked On Astros. Make yes, sure you sir. guys go check out the Locked On Astros podcast as they gear up for the playoffs. But then you got the, the Texans Twitter and the Rockets Twitter. They're fighting amongst themselves. <laughs> it's a lot of chaos. But we are here to talk about the Houston Texans. And before we do, before we hop into the YouTube comments, I want to shout out my man, Isaac. Hmm. Oh, man. So, went to go get me some Chick-fil-A the other day. Uh, I went to one Chick-fil-A. The line was entirely way too long, and it was moving way too slow. I know those things don't normally go together when you talk about Chick-fil-A, but this was my reality that night. So, I went to another Chick-fil-A closer to my home. Decided to go on the inside because there was a line, and I didn't feel like waiting. At times, I'm impatient. So, I go on the inside. 
Young man kind of walks behind the counter, looks at me like he knows me. He shakes his head like, who are you? And I'm like, what's up, man? He was like, no, I thought I know you from somewhere. And I was like, well, where will you know me from? He said, oh, man, I, I like I watch YouTube. And then a big smile on my face. And if you guys don't know me like Cody knows me, I'm, I'm going to smile, right? So a smile comes to my face. And I was like, y'all be on YouTube. He was like, you cover the Texans? Wait, locked on Texans. So shout out to my man Isaac right now going to school at U of H, the main campus, going to school for kinesiology, wants to do physical therapy. Here at the Locked On Texan Podcast, with all the chaos going on on the outside mm. world and our world, we appreciate all the love, and we want to reciprocate that. But now, Cody, let's get to them YouTube comments, shall we? Yes, sir. So this was on the <laughs> – this is a funny one, too. Another Collapse Podcast. And my man, Yak, Yakum Flabber. I don't know where they get these YouTube names from, but <laughs> Yakum Flabber said the Texans-Bears game is going to set football back 200 years. <laughs> like, I, I feel like we had to open up with that because there's a possibility after the clock hit zero, we look at that screen and we're wondering to ourselves, what the hell did we just watch? Exactly. And what did I say on our crossover show on yesterday? I said I would not be surprised if this game ends in a tie because, ladies and gentlemen, these two teams mirror each other so much to the point it's eerie. And I, I 100% agree with that comment, John. I'm just hoping that we be at least somewhat entertained because the one thing I hate is watching a boring, slow game. And I fear that is what we're going to get. Yeah, and one of those games where you kind of hear in the background, do 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 uh, one of the OGs of the show, man. You know, Everett Texas Hatch, hmm. way back in the gap. Shout out to my boy. You know, he commented and said, Jeff Driscoll may need to see some action next Sunday. Of course, this Sunday coming up against the Chicago Bears. Now, we do know that Jeff Driscoll has been utilized in the offense in terms of a read quarterback. I do think that Jeff Driscoll missed a wonderful opportunity for himself Instead of pulling the ball, he could have ran a touchdown right in against the Denver Broncos. Instead, he mm. gave it to Damian Pierce, didn't read the, the man crashing down, because if he did, that was a walk-in touchdown. But should we see more of Jeff Driscoll on Sunday, or like should the Jeff Driscoll package be more of a featured and more often thing throughout the game? I think so. And remember, John, going back to um, the preseason game against the New Orleans Saints and the preseason game against the Los Angeles Rams, remember, I also played around with that same exact idea of using Jeff as a hybrid quarterback, something like what we saw over the last couple of years back when the New Orleans Saints had Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. And right now, I know that's what Pep Hamilton is trying to do. And I I agree with every like I want to see more because as of right now, they're only using Jeff Driscoll just to pick up a couple more yardage, whether it be a first down, whether it be to get them in field goal range. And I know what play you're talking about because that's all they use him for. However, look. I know last year we made a lot of jokes about Jeff Driscoll, but for some reason, Jeff Driscoll is showing some type of value to this organization, whether it be preseason, whether it be training camp, or whether it be the first two games of the regular season. And I like how Pep Hamilton is utilizing Jeff Driscoll's skill set, and I do believe it should be utilized more. Yeah, and you know what? It's kind of funny because Kyle Allen looked 
I think much better than Jeff Driscoll did in the oh, preseason yeah. in terms of the as a pure quarterback, but he's been inactive the first two games. Jeff Driscoll has been active the first two games. So clearly there is some sort of value there that they believe that Jeff can do some things, of course, that Kyle can't because Jeff is a different type of athlete. Jeff Driscoll is still an athlete, no doubt about it. And so they like him. And so I don't want to see an offense where we're seeing too much of that. But situational, of course, third and one. And if you feel like with Jeff Driscoll out on the field with Damian Pierce, if it makes sense, go ahead and pull it. I'm not tripping. Put him out there. If it can allow you to move the chains, which is what the Houston Texans have been having a terrible time doing, one of the worst teams in terms of three and outs in the NFL throughout the first two seasons, what games of the year so far, then why not? If it's a strength, use it. Before hmm. we get out of here, Joffrey, Joffrey Bashan. I hope I'm saying that, JB. I'm going to call you JB. Uh, it's comical that Davis Mills fans are putting his inaccurate passes on Pep. It ain't Pep's fault Mills can't complete a third down. You know what, JB? <laughs> hey, listen. We can say whatever we want, we, we want about uh, Pep Hamilton, right? And he has not been just thoroughly impressive so far. And it is what it is. However, it's hard to be impressive when – your quarterback can't make the simple throw or your quarterback is only one reading. And I'm putting an asterisk next to that because I do think a lot of this offense from what we've seen so far is Pep Hamilton trying to help out Davis Mills by giving him one read throws. But JB, you're absolutely 100%, a thousand percent correct. There are some things that we need to shoulder more on Davis Mills and take off the shoulders of Pep Hamilton. And that's very fair to say. Yeah, and before we go on the Pep Hamilton side of things um, really quick, I do want to mention during his media availability on yesterday, Pep Hamilton did come out and say when he does a self-evaluation of himself through the first two games of the regular season, he said that he needs to be better. He said he needs to be better orchestrating a better game plan, and he needs to be better with his play calling as well. So Sunday, look, I know we made a lot of jokes about the Chicago Bears and Houston Texans um, you know, leading up to that week three game. Um, uh, against the Bears on Sunday. Um, the one thing I will say that is Sunday is going to provide a unique opportunity for Pep Hamilton, Davis Mills, and everybody else involved with the Houston Texans to finally get this ship moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Got Brandon K. Scott coming up very soon, so definitely don't want to miss that. This episode is also brought to you by Bright Coat Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Listen, Bright Coat brings you comprehensive fast, and affordable jury insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out our special offer for our Locked On listeners today and get covered in under two minutes. Let's put that in perspective. Two-minute drill, game on the line. You got you got to go down there and kick a field goal. Well, by the time that's done, you can already have some insurance for your jury. So do that at brightcode.com forward slash locked on. That's brightcode.com forward slash locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. You already know what it is, man. We got our brother, our friend, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from hey, Sports Radio Scott. 610. Brandon, what's going on, man? And welcome back to Locked On Texans. Man, I appreciate y'all for having me, man. Just glad to be here another week, man. I, I'm I'm looking forward to the the game that I that I consider to be the most should be. I don't mean they're going to do it, but this should be the most winnable game for the Texans that they're playing on Sunday in Chicago against the Bears. The only offense that I think that you can right now definitively say this season that they're going to play that's worse than their own. Yeah. And that and even that might be a bold statement, uh, but that's just what I believe. I think that the Chicago Bears offense is worse than the Texans offense, and there ain't that many in the league that's like that. So I am looking forward to, in a season where I don't expect a lot of winning for the Texans, I am looking forward to a weekend, a victorious weekend for pro football in Houston. You know what we got to stop doing is saying welcome back. Like, he was only gone for a couple of days. And back. It's like a week. It's a weekly spot. Yeah. He needs to come back. He needs to come back. It's like, it, it'll be different. Like, almost shows between the time that I be there and the time. Man, <laughs> welcome back is like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back to the house. We see you every yeah. week. This, this, you got a room. <laughs> you have a room here. Uh, yeah. And but, we got a and we got an off air text thread as well. So it's not like yeah, we don't come on, man. You you, you almost got a key to the house, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, before we talk about the Houston Texans, I think there is an opportunity here to briefly kind of talk about what's going on outside of Houston, still in the NFL, still in football. Brandon Scott, in five words, you know what, in 10, describe your feelings towards Mississippi's own Brett Favre. And I'm asking you that because I'm, I'm on the way to work this morning. And because of you, I saw the tweet, the Pablo Torre podcast, and I listened to it thoroughly. Great production out, out, of, out of ESPN for Pablo and what they had going on in that podcast. But in 10 words, can you – your emotions, can you describe Brett Favre is a – or whatever? Nah, I, I'll put it like this, and I, I'll give you six words. And six I, and words. I'm saying I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. I want people to, to, to know that, to hear the tone in which I'm saying this. It is sarcastic. But the six words are good if you can get it. Good if you can get it. Because I tell you this, you know, and, and obviously it is deplorable the idea that somebody would pilfer millions of dollars from a, a from a fund that's meant for the poor people and and do it for their own personal use. But it, like to me, <laughs> I also look at it from the standpoint of privilege of there is a short the reason why Brett Favre mainly needs to be held accountable for this at the very least in the public eye, but you know, and the legal system can handle itself. But I mean, from us and and media and, and just people in the public is there's a short list of people who could even reach the governor's ear in any given state. Mm. You know, like none of the three of us can go to, to Greg Abbott and be like, hey, Greg, what kind of what kind of welfare funds you got that can help out my sister or my niece or my daughter or whoever? Like it, there's a short list of people who have the governor's ear. And to me, if you're one of those people, okay, there is a responsibility that comes with that. 
So if you're Brett Favre, whether you just whether you're still in the NFL or you've been retired for over a decade, you're Brett Favre. You are a privileged person. You are uh, high in society, and I feel like you owe it from a level of integrity to not do such a thing. You know, if you got the governor's ear, you should be trying to do something to help poor people. Okay, you should be trying to figure out a way to get them millions of dollars to them poor people, not how to figure out how to build a volleyball facility at your alma mater where your daughter is uh, for, for a team, by the way, that sucks. Let's talk about the Houston Texans. There's an issue right now with this team defensively that I think needs to be under more of a microscope. And that is number one, Jalen Petrie right now is the best defensive player on this roster. In my opinion, and I don't think Tate would argue against that. Uh, and that's a problem because you have veterans there. You got five and six and seven year vets on this team that does not look good at the linebacker position is where they're struggling, I think, right now between the numbers. Um, there's a couple of plays between KPL and Christian Kirksey. Well, I was just thinking to myself, this should have been known ahead of time. And we may need to see Jake Hansen. We may need to see Blake Cashman. What is the holdup on Christian Harris? What is the holdup on Gary Waller? Because the guys that you got on the field right now ain't cutting it. Is there anything that they can do against the Chicago Bears that can work in the Texans' favor? Yeah, you preaching to the choir, man. I've I've been skeptical of the front for a while. Um, I've, I've thought that there are some players there, some pieces there that you like. But, I mean, for the most part, it's the same guys to – Save for the edge rushers that they brought in, okay? Jerry Hughes, Rasheem Green, who we got to see a little bit of, quite a bit of in uh, in Denver, okay? And I guess that was his first, because I don't think he played in the first game. So, yeah, that was his first game playing. Um, Thomas Booker played his first game. So, you got some new pieces up front that I think are, are going to matter uh, in the long term, or and when I say the long term, I, I guess I just mean this year, this season. Uh, but th- they didn't really... But because of the Christian Harris injury, because of the Garrett Wallow injury, and I'm not sure exactly, like I know they talked him up in training camp and uh, Nick Casario, general manager Nick Casario, mentioned him as one of the most improved players and one of the most impressive players since they got in the building in the spring, uh, talked Garrett Wallow up. I don't know exactly how much that was supposed to factor in to like being somebody that was out there for the majority of snaps or anything or defensive snaps or anything like that, but they are, to be fair, missing two of the faster, you know, two of the speedier, more athletic linebackers that I felt like they were supposed to rely on this year in Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris. I do think Christian Kirksey would be out there either way. Uh, he's a captain, veteran, a guy that they like, and, and, and is somebody who makes some plays, gets beat sometimes, but makes some plays. There's some give and take there. Um, I did, Look, I, I understand. I think you could upgrade there, and – and maybe it's a it maybe it's I think a combo hey, is much more serviceable than Christian Kirksey to be. Clear. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's maybe it's a uh, you know in an ideal world, in obvious passing situations, you're out there with Christian Harris and, and Garrett Wallow, and when you got three linebackers out there, you know it's Christian Harris and 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 Kamu, and you figure out if it's Christian Kirksey or or Garrett Wallow or you know what I mean, but. For now, this is what they got. Clearly, they're like health. Health has been the the biggest issue. I mean, you can like I, I get your 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 gripe with it, but there is an issue of health there with the at the linebacker position. Christian Harris, I think, was supposed to be a real factor for them um, at that position. There's a reason why they drafted him and why they were so excited about him. Uh, Lovey was when they drafted him. The defensive line, guys. I ain't trying to be a uh, beat a dead horse, 
or, or sound like a parrot or, or say the same thing over and over. But I've been saying like, hey, they got some guys that I like. And there's this talk about there being depth, but I'm not sure how much quality it is there. It just seemed like they just got a bunch of guys. And I like Jerry Hughes. I thought Rasheen Green showed some real uh, some real nice things in Denver, and he was somebody who I liked in camp. It's not like he flashed a lot in camp, but he played really hard, and he's a really big dude. Uh, and, and, you know, you like that you can put him inside and out. So, so there are some things that I like, but I wasn't completely sold on them, like, just as a – as a unit um uh, as far as like the depth translating to being quality depth you know i just knew they had a bunch of dudes that they wanted to play you know what i mean and i still feel that way um big issue for the texans right now for me in terms of what you mentioned john up front is um obviously the linebackers uh have had issues even going back to last year and it's continued this year in coverage at times like that seems like that's just going to be a theme until maybe until christian harris we finally see him so that that's an issue I'll acknowledge right off top. But also, this remains to be a poor run defense. You know, like you can yes. run on this team. Um, now, granted, they played against, you know, top two, top three running back and Jonathan Taylor in the first week. And and then the running back combo that the Broncos had, um, you know, in, in Williams and uh, and Gordon um, was pretty good, pretty damn good, too. Right. So and now they're going to play David Montgomery, play against David Montgomery, who I think is who I think is what Damian Pierce projects as best best case scenario. You know, like if 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 the Damian Pierce thing works out the way everybody that's a Texans fan hopes it does, he'll be like kind of he'll be David Montgomery. You know, I don't think his ceiling is much past that, but that's pretty good. You know what I'm saying? So like that's not a knock. You know, but I see a lot of similarities, just obviously a veteran version of it in, in David Montgomery. So don't be surprised if y'all look at the game and Montgomery looks better than Pierce. But notice the similarities, the build, the physical build, uh, the versatility um, can make you miss and run you over, um, you know, that 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 type of thing. Um, so. So, yeah, I, I think that that I, I mentioned David Montgomery to say it'll be interesting to see how they match up up front, given that they've struggled to, to, to tackle up front. Right. Yeah. Going back to your earlier point, Jalen Petrie, man, Jalen Petrie is six feet, is like six feet tall, 200 pounds. You know what I mean? The first play of the game. OK, for as good as he's played the first play of the game, I want to say in Denver, he got thumped. I want to say if you go back and look, man, somebody threw him. I forget who it was. Somebody threw Jalen Petrie about a foot. Was, um, was that on the uh, was it an outside zone? An outside zone. Yeah. Yeah. Going to, to the strong side. And, and I ain't I'm not. That's not a knock. He's a safety. I, I'm pretty sure whoever it was was a bigger man. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's, he's a punker or anything. I'm just saying, like, hmm. your big boys need to be big boys. Because otherwise, you know, you've got your safeties down there mixing it up with big boys. They're going to get thumped in every now and then, uh, even if they're making plays. And, and, and I've seen that from Jalen Petrie, him making plays. And then other times he's hanging on for dear life on some big old boy that he shouldn't be dealing with uh, at that level of the defense. You know what I'm saying? That close to the line of scrimmage, so to speak. Brandon, really quick, and I like the fact that you brought up the the loss of Christian Harris and Garrett Waddle as of right now. Those two guys at some point throughout the season are coming back, but I want to look at um, a big loss on the offensive side of the ball. And how much of the struggles that we are seeing on offense, you know, I'm pretty sure you see it to a lot of people debating whether or not um, Davis Mills has a lot of weapons. How much do you really believe that the loss of John Mechie is also hindering this team back? By the way, John Mechie 
made a brief appearance at Texas practice the other day. It was really good to see him once again in, in um, great spirits. But, you know, how do you feel the loss of John Mechie is actually hurting his team on offense? Yeah, so I think just more so in the obvious sense that having John Mechie as a playmaker would, would help them. You know, I don't think it's mm -hmm. a, a leap to say that having a good football player on the on the field as an option to throw the ball to would be helpful to them. But I don't know. And, and maybe there's an argument because he's a, he's in a slot primarily and he could in some ways be Davis Mills is a safety valve or check down and, or, and maybe even his primary read in some cases, but just more so in in safer parts of the field i say that even though davis mills sometimes struggles with these safe <laughs> uh quote unquote easy throws i say easy you know quote unquote easy throws uh the you know it gets balls batted at times you know things that you don't like uh that are not ideal that you could see being from john mechie and you know not working the way you want it to <laughs> but but no, I, yeah, I think it would help Davis Mills and it would help any quarterback to have a good slot receiver. But I don't think, like to me, that's just not good enough, you know, in terms of when we want to explain this. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't necessarily hate the excuses because you're just trying to find reasons and you're trying to find explanations. We're trying to talk through it and, and sort through it. So I don't begrudge anybody for making excuses uh, because I do think that there are some that are legitimate. And yeah, it's... It, it, it's messed up that this happened to, to John Mitchell, you know, primarily for his own health, but then also on the football side. But I mean, it's not like, it's not like there aren't guys open. And, and, and in that regard, I would, I would put that sometimes they're not open, but it's not like they haven't had opportunities and guys aren't open. And I would put that on both Davis mills and the receivers, the times when Davis mills is inaccurate and, Ever or not letting that, the play develop. Or not letting the play develop. He either ha has happy feet. He's getting rid of the ball really quickly, which on the one side would be good. Like if you look at the time, the amount of time it takes him to throw the ball, he's at the top of the league in terms of getting rid of the ball quickly, like right there with the likes of like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. The only problem is he's not making like great decisions. He's throwing the ball too early or he's locking in on a read early, like making a decision ahead of time and just and, and getting rid of the ball because of that. Even if it's not a great decision, uh, even if it is a good decision, then he's inaccurate at times. You know, it's like the, the decision making and the accuracy and the timing never seems to come together. You know, even when he gets one, seems to get one or two of them right. It's like one of them falls short. So but again, you, you look at. If you if you look at this offense and what is plaguing it, it's a small sample size. I'll give Pep Hamilton credit for what he said uh, on Thursday when he talked to the, to, to the media. He said that he thought the sample size was too small to really say definitively that Davis Mills is struggling. I, I don't agree with that, but I'll I'll allow you know the offensive coordinator to feel that way if that's how he feels. Like I mean that's what the man thinks, but the but it is all we got. We can't manufacture more data. Okay, so I mean, and we have to evaluate as we go. So what we got right now is a Texans team that is second in the league in bad throws and third in the league in bad throw percentage. Conversely, they're in the bottom third of the league in on-target percentage throws. 
so is, you see the correlation there? Bad throws, a lot of bad throws, not a high percentage of on-target throws, inaccurate. That's the I mean that's that's the problem. So like yeah, John Mitchie would help, you know, and, and I and I would just only hope and pray that Davis Mills would be delivering the ball to him. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting information this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson, the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. Of course, we got Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, before we give our final thoughts about Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears, I do want to get some of your early evaluations um, on Derek Stingley Jr., um, especially the game against the Denver Broncos, where, of course, Russell Wilson target Corton Sutton a lot, and that was the guy that um, Stingley was was shadowing a lot on the field. And I like what I saw out of Derek Stingley. I know he had moments where you was left scratching your head, but throughout this whole entire week, Lovey Smith kept talking about how much of that game was more of a learning experience from Stingley. And I love the aggressiveness. I love the learning the learning experience that he had. And when I take a look at what I'm expecting the rest of the season, I'm looking at this from a standpoint. There's a lot of promise in what Derek Stingley can potentially be. Yeah, y'all know I, I haven't made no secret about being a Derek Stingley fan and being a, a full believer in Derek Stingley. And so even a, a bad performance would not have scared me off of him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I, I would agree. I, I would just co-sign what you said, actually, Cody. I think you put it pretty well in terms of your feelings about Derek Stingley. I will just co-sign him uh, wholeheartedly and say I felt the same exact way watching him. Um, I know I did. I did think that there was struggles in there. I mean, he got thrown on, thrown, targeted a lot. You know, like they were clearly mm-hmm. going at him, and uh, and sudden caught some balls on him, man. Uh, yeah. He obviously had a couple of PI. Which PI. one of them wasn't wasn't his fault? No, two of them. One of those PIs was not a PI, and I'm one fine. of them I think it was yeah. like a miscommunication between him and I think um, Jonathan Owens. Yeah. Jonathan Owens, yeah, yeah. But even the, the I, I was fine with either with with, with both of them. You know, because I thought he was just being aggressive and mm-hmm. that you're going to get some P.I.s when you're an aggressive corner every now and then. Now, you you want to minimize them. You don't want to get a lot of them, mm-hmm. but it is going to happen. And it's, it's especially to me going to happen to a rookie. Like, I'd like to think that the P.I.s like 
he's going to get more PIs, okay, over the course of his career. But I like to think that he'll learn from his PIs, you know, mm-hmm. like not to take a Brock Osweiler uh, line, but like <laughs> who once said that every interception has a story. But uh, but maybe for maybe for Derek Stingley early on in his career, every PI will have a story. And like he's such a cerebral and, and intellectual type of talent on top of the physical stuff. And you've heard them talk about that. He doesn't talk. He himself does not talk a lot. He's, he, he, you know, so he's not articulating himself, you know, so it's hard to really gather that and understand that based off of the fact that you don't hear a lot from him and everything that is touted above all else is the physical stuff. But I like to think that he is learning from the moments where he struggles, either if he's getting a PI or if he's getting a pass completed on him, which both things happen. Um, and, and he did struggle at times, but I thought for the most part, like his form and his technique, the only time I think it's the one that you're talking about. Uh, and I know it wasn't cause it wasn't a PI. It was a, uh, it was a catch where, uh, I think the, so it was cover two on this one. Cause they did play a lot of man but on mm-hmm. this play. It was cover two and he was clearly giving them off to Jonathan Owens, but maybe should have stayed with him a little longer. And he also did this weird turnaround thing. Like he just kind of like went in a circle that I didn't really understand. I was like, why, why did you? Oh, I remember what play you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. It, it, like I remember that play really confusing me. That would be in one, that was the one play where I was like, yeah, I, I remember that's that. Not you. That's not you staying. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's not you, the big dog. Like you, you better than that. I don't know what's the, you look like, uh, you like a novice out there doing, you know, doing that little turnaround thing, <laughs> but he probably was like, there's probably a legitimate explanation for why that happened. Um, that that probably goes way over my head if we're honest about it. Mm-hmm. So it, it looked it looked weird to me, uh, in, in both in real time and when I went back and looked at the game, I'm like what the hell is Derek Stingley doing? Uh, but overall, I thought that he he for the most part he was aggressive, in good position. He redeemed himself at times when he would give up a play. Uh, think back to that to that uh, would be touchdown that got reversed on replay. And, and then they say they're going to go right back to the same play and test the rookie and, and, again. And, and you know what like, I liked about that play? Yeah. What I, what I liked about that play, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I think I we do have to give him some credit. If you look at that first play, that sudden caught, it just wasn't a touchdown. If you notice, he didn't get up into sudden on that first pass. He kind of gave sudden a lot of room off the break of the release, and he didn't get physical with him. It went right back to him, and you notice, like, he was quicker to get into Sutton's body. Not to, you know, get his hands on him or get another uh, penalty or uh, pass interference, but just to get more physical with a very physical, what, Sutton, 6'3"? Big yeah, receiver. Six, I think he's 6'4". Six, six, yeah, so, and was was good because here in Houston, they already got their own 6'4 receiver. So, we got some practicing against that type of guy in the red zone, right? So, I, I like that. When you look at Stingley. The man, like I mentioned on the crossover, the man hasn't played football consistently for a long time, coming off the injury. And so you can see him just kind of going through, I think, his own reps in-game, which is very encouraging. Yeah, and and real real quick to piggyback on the point that you're making, I feel like that is a perfect example. The the play, so the back-to-back plays that we're talking about here, where it's the would-be touchdown that gets overturned, it's not a touchdown, and then it breaks up the play after that. To me, it, the exact way you broke it down, John, is the perfect example to me of him learning on the job in real time, seeing 
how close he was to giving up the touchdown on the previous play. Okay, just how it was just a hair off from from it being a touchdown, and then acknowledging or or being able to recognize on the very next snap that, that if they're going to run this very same play, I'm going to play it differently, and and here's how I'm going to make sure that it's not close, mm. right? And he did, and he does what you described. So that that to me, it just supports how you know how he thinks the game just as much as he plays it physically. And I also want to add to that before I ask you about your predictions. We do have to look at Jonathan Owens in coverage. I know he leads the league in tackles right now, but coverage may end up being an issue whenever they go single high safety, mainly in that cover three. uh, Cover three. Um, Sunday's matchup, Chicago Bears, Houston Texans. What's your predictions before we get out of here? What you got? Yeah, I got got the Texans winning this one. Let's call it 17-10. 17 don't think 10. We're gonna see 17 from nobody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we can get I think we can get two touchdowns, maybe one on the ground, maybe one one in the air. Uh, I think that that's doable. Here's the here's the thing about it. Okay. I mentioned I think both teams should be able to run the ball because both have, like I said before, running backs who are similar in style, and both have run defenses that are not exactly impressive. So I think they have good running backs, both teams, and they have not so good run defenses. And so it'll be that kind of game, I think. Um, But I I just also think that there is a little bit more of an opportunity here because, um, well, honestly, the the Bears uh, secondary gave up plays to uh, a not so impressive uh, older wide receiving core in the Packers. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is the one that's dealing, okay? Hmm. And so I don't want to put Davis Mills in, hey, you got to go out there and perform like Aaron Rodgers did, because that would be that would just be me being silly. But I do feel like I, I said it off top. This is the worst offense that they'll that they'll play, okay? And so they should be able to hold them in points, and they've done a good job of, 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 of that against Teams that I feel like we're learning aren't as good as maybe we were saying they were at the beginning of the year. Like, I think the revisionist history on the Colts and the Broncos is going to be much different. It certainly is already now in week three as it was to start the year. Uh, and I think it's going to be kind of like it is now. I think that's going to be the feeling on both of those teams going forward. And we're going to look at that and say, ah, oh, those teams weren't that good to begin with. But the, the, the Bears, that I mean, we know we, we know that they ain't good. And, and that that offense isn't good. Um, and the defense, I was noting this when, it, you know, watching them against the Packers, even rewatched them against the Packers, that even in the last few years, like in the Mitch Trubisky days, let's, see, let's even call it, when their offense under Matt Nagy struggled and, and no one could figure it out, I was like, man, they, they invested all of this in the quarterback and they went and got a uh, 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 Andy Reid guy. And so why, why is this offense any good? Even then, they had solid defense, you know, back when hmm. Lil Mac was there um, and, and the, the the earlier days of, uh, you know, Roquan Smith and, um, you know, all of the different guys that they had along that defense. They had Kyle Fuller back in the day uh, when him and Brandon Marshall was scrapping in practice. Um, yeah, like they had they had defensive players. They have a few defensive players now, but this is like – this ain't even the Bears defense that used to be good 
you know, back in the day when we would say, oh, they ain't got no offense, but man, that Bears defense, man, that's something that they do. When like Lovey I don't, was there. <laughs> yeah. When Lovey was there, certainly. Uh it ain't that. But even recently, like I'm talking Matt Nagy, you know, like the defenses mm-hmm. were, you know, Matt Nagy, offensive coach, obviously, but the defenses were still like, oh, defense pretty good. You know, I don't really feel like when they went there, was it two years ago now? Uh, yeah, it was two years ago, and they Sean lost thirty-five to seven. Mm. Was it that good? Wasn't that was it that bad? Yeah, it I think bad. it was that bad. It was, it was bad. that really? bad. Yes. Oh man, I don't know why I don't remember the score. It was either thirty-five-seven or thirty-five-ten. It was really bad, and I remember that game because that's when four had like, like he like almost hurt his shoulder, and people were like oh, yeah. freaking out. Which I yeah, mean, no, I guess it was, after it was, that game, it was his yeah. hand I think or yeah, it was like. a hand on my, a hand or shoulder yeah, or whatever, I'm but that, you know, it was his power hand. Cause he had, to, he, had to, he had to he had to he had to. <laughs> I know he had a massage after that game because he came back like the next day like everything was fine. <laughs> he only he was only out for one play. I remember they brought in yeah. AJ, uh, McCann, uh, AJ McCarron. Went for, to the yes, blue sir. tent. <laughs> what was happening under that blue tent? <laughs> a thirty for tent bomb too. <laughs> thirty for thirty coming near you. And with that being said, <laughs> that's going to conclude. What if I told you? <laughs> this latest episode of Locked On Texans, because this one way left. <laughs> we did. I don't even know how we got there. I don't know. Knowing the Texans themselves, and that's part of the reason why we're sitting here talking about Davis Mills on September 22nd, 2022. But that's going to conclude this latest installment of Locked On Texans. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on all your social media? And please be sure to tell them when you're going to be on Sports Radio 610 throughout the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Thursdays, every every Thursday at 11 a.m., again, unless there's some type of schedule change, and follow at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter to know if that happens. But otherwise, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, I'm on with the guys on In The Loop. Uh, doing my weekly hit. Um, obviously, do some fill-in work whenever any of the hosts are not available uh, for whatever reason. And so I'm uh, somebody that does that. So follow at Brandon K. Scott to, to know whenever that's happening. And, of course, the B-Block podcast, publishing mm-hmm. every Tuesday. Didn't get to do an episode this past week due to a family matter, but we'll be back up and running um, the next week, God willing. So Make sure that you're following and subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing, letting people know about the B Block podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Uh, Well, we may have Quinn back this week. And so uh, we take on the Texas Tech um whatever raiders they want to call themselves and so i'm john hickman follow me on twitter at john underscore hickman 12. make sure you follow us on uh on youtube subscribe like and comment on youtube under locked on texans and uh listen we should be undefeated right now if it wasn't for that injury and i i'm not gonna get into all of that because i can get angry but until next time maybe hopefully we have a victory monday this upcoming week We'll see you guys next weekend. Be safe. Go enjoy the city of Houston. Be safe. Have fun. Be safe. Till next time. Peace. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. 
Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.